having trouble getting to sleep? Today's guest heretic, Evan Brand, can help you with that, but not because he's boring. Evan is a functional medicine practitioner with a focus on sleep, and in today's episode you can learn more about his work, what are the reasons most people aren't getting enough sleep, and can daylight savings time make a big impact on our health. This and much more, coming up next on the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. So I'm sure you've heard that as you age, it gets harder to lose weight. Well, that's total bull because my friends, Laura and Veronica Charles, they can prove it. They're a mother-daughter duo, and they've lost 125 pounds between the two of them at ages 50 and 20. And they've kept it off for over two years without starvation, deprivation, or hunger. So now you can learn their system and a whole lot more with a free 10-day trial to their online membership. They'll give you the diet, the recipes, classes, and more. Sign up today at nutritionheretic.com forward slash utmost diet. Fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. (laughs) It's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well being. Aloha and welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. At the time of this recording, it is, we have just, uh, well, some of you have just changed your clocks. Daylight saving time is now in effect. Uh, here on Hawaii, we do not observe that. But uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this morning on the radio, uh, there was a, a doctor speaking about an increase of accidents and um, depression, anxiety, and, and various things that come along with that cha- that one hour change. Now, this seems to be something that's less in the fall back uh, phase, and it seems to increase in the spring ahead when you lose an hour of sleep. So, um, it, it was extremely fitting that today's guest heretic is Evan Brand of evanbrand.com. And he is a functional medicine practitioner. Uh, and also, uh, he does, he does a lot of work on sleep, which, you know, really, um, if you remember some of our uh, podcasts where we talk about functional medicine, we talk about the importance of, uh, not just food, but everything in, in your life and really looking at, uh, the places of dysfunction. So welcome to the show, Evan. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so talk to us about sleep. Uh, have you noticed, uh, this, what they were talking about, um, increases in chronic illness, accidents, anxiety, uh, with uh, just that one hour shift of, of sleep? 
Yeah, it's real. I've got a friend who's a board certified cardiologist and he tells me we also see the same thing with heart attacks and mm-hmm. stroke and other, you know, major cardiac events going up too when the time changes. So, yeah, it's absolutely a big deal. I mean, it makes perfect sense from a biological perspective. We've got a circadian rhythm and it's set to a pretty darn close 24-hour cycle. You poop at certain times of the day, your brain turns on at certain times of the day, your brain turns off at certain times of the day, hormones go up at certain times of the day, hormones go down. So if you just have this made up thing called time and you change it, but your body knows the real deal, like let's say you just fall back and the clock says three, but your body knows it's four. Yeah, that affects a lot. So so totally. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, I've heard talk of getting rid of daylight savings time or just either staying forward or staying backward, whichever, either way, I don't care, but I would say get rid of it. You know, there's a lot of talk of that. And I think it's a smart idea in places like where you live. And I want to say, is it Arizona? Yes. I think? Yeah. Arizona is the other state. They don't do it either, which is, which is pretty smart. Right. And, and a lot of places don't do it. <laughs> a lot of, I, I notice a lot of, um, Places closer to the equator don't observe. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I guess they have less of a need for it because they're not, you know, at the equator, you're getting 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night, regardless of the time of year. More or less. I mean, we definitely see, we actually here in Hawaii, we see much more um, drastic changes than I thought we would. Um, Right now, it gets dark about six o'clock in the evenings, for example, uh, and it is i would say in the summer it's like between eight and nine so it's still it's you know we we definitely see differences um in terms of our relationship to the sun which is um, much more stark than i had i had thought it would be but yeah those i remember living in new jersey and new york uh the uh just leaving work at five o'clock in the afternoon and it was just dark already (laughs) I know, I know. I've got some clients in Alaska. I don't know how they do it. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I, I went to uh, Finland in the winter once. Not a good <laughs> not a good time to go. Um, but then, you know, on the, on the flip side, in the summer, it's the days, it doesn't get dark until 11 o'clock at night. Right, right. So maybe you just live there in the summer and move somewhere else, go to Florida in the winter. I don't know. Right. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, it's, it's very... Um, it's uh yeah it's 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 very um difficult to say you know I guess because people have done this for maybe not I don't know I guess millennia you know people have have lived in places like that I just don't know how they how they do it. Um, well, I think our I mean if we go far enough back, the ancestors were probably doing some type of a migration, following true. the herd seasonally, just like yeah. birds do. Uh, I've been tracking this golden eagle. We've got a place um, pretty much right down the street from me called Bernheim Forest. It's a place of 16,000 acres of forest. And they put a tracker on a golden eagle that landed there a few years ago. And they've tracked him going all, they named him Harper. They've tracked this eagle going all the way up to uh, Manitoba and then coming back to Kentucky on a pretty much regular basis. It's wow. a 1500 mile migration. And so wow. he just, he just arrived two days ago at the time that we're talking, which is super cool. And the guy, uh, this bird, he took 19 days to migrate. So I, he, I guess he sees the light falling and then he's like, okay, I'm going to go from Canada to Kentucky. That's just so cool. Right. 
Right. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, our ancestors, they did, uh, they weren't, it took a while before they started to really have settlements uh, that were more permanent. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So th- there's benefit, there's benefit to civilization. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it uh, definitely. I'm not. An- I'm not anti-civilization, but I think one silly thing it, that's still around that probably doesn't need to be around is the daylight savings time. Right. Right. Yeah. It's. Um. It, it is pretty arcane, and it and it does appear to really wreak havoc on a lot of people. It makes you kind of wonder, you know, as a contributing factor to an already, you know, just a, a life that already seems to be just getting really out of control. Um, it seems like it's just another complicating factor in, in our lives. And I know that when my, my first daughter, she was, she was just a horrible sleeper <laughs> as a baby. Um, meaning that she would fall asleep okay, but keeping her asleep was a problem. And I remember the first year where her first year and, you know, the first daylight, sa- uh, April daylight savings time. And, uh, she was, it's like I had just gotten her into a rhythm over the previous month. And that next couple of weeks after daylight savings was just a nightmare trying to <laughs> keep her asleep. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I work with a lot of kids with sleep issues. A lot of times it's parasites and pinworms, believe mm. it or not. Our daughter had pinworms and it's a pain to get rid of, but. Uh, once we got rid of those, she was sleeping through the night. So any parents out there with kids, if they don't sleep, it, it, you got to check their gut. It could be some type of infection. It's very, very common. I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. And the good news is you can treat it naturally versus you go to your doctor, your pediatrician. They don't have a clue. Right. Well, exactly. Now, in um, in her case, what what causes pinworms? What's What's the major... You just pick them up from the soil. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's the eggs that get under the fingernails and then you right. bite your fingernails and that's how they get in. But they get into the system somehow and they are really difficult to get rid of. And so there are pharmaceutical drugs over the counter treatments for pinworms, but they just don't work very well. Yeah, yeah. My daughter, she was, um, her sleep issue was, was, I don't know, I mean, it entirely could have been uh, some kind of, you know, infection. Uh, but it seemed that what happened was, um, she was, she would sleep, like I said, she would sleep well. It was, it wasn't so much that she would wake up arbitrarily. It was just that any noise in the middle of the night would wake her up. Like Uh. just the slightest. So we lived in a house that was like built in during the Edwardian area. So like, was that, yeah, about a hundred years from now, you know, a hundred years ago from now. Um, that house was built and there was a creaky floorboard <laughs> right outside her room. So, you know, you'd get up to go to the bathroom and that little creak would wake her up. Of right. It's like, we, a little, it's like a landmine. You got to watch yeah. out for it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, of course, we take her to Colonial Williamsburg where there's bombs going off and she sleeps right through. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, you know, um, so what what are the the reasons that most people are not getting enough sleep. And, and you know, in my lexicon, I actually believe that sleep is more important than exercise uh, because I think we've just overemphasized exercise to the point that people are willing to lose sleep over it. Yeah, when you get to that level, like you're waking up at 5 a.m. to hit the gym, that's ridiculous. So 
the question was why why are people sleeping so bad or did you say well, what what is affecting sleep quality what was your question right right it was what's affecting people like why are people having so many sleep issues now you know, these days. I, I would say the easiest and most low-hanging fruit to go after is the artificial light at nighttime. I mean, with the invention of the light bulb in the 1800s, that changed everything. And so we went from very, very dim, low, very, very low blue light from incandescent bulbs, which look, you know, similar to a candle in terms of the color spectrum, relatively low levels of blue, moderate levels of orange and a little bit of red involved. You know, this protected our melatonin somewhat. Now, melatonin, we always hear about that as a famous sleep hormone, but it's also a very powerful antioxidant. In fact, Mm. it's one of the most powerful antioxidants known to man in the sense that it very much prevents and reduces the incidence of cancers. And so this is why if you just Google for yourself, night shift nurses cancer, you can read a famous study that found that women who were nurses working night shift had a 50% higher risk of breast cancer than women who did not work night shift. And that is because when you're blasting yourself with artificial light at night, you're setting the circadian rhythm off, you're disrupting melatonin, and you're increasing levels of cortisol. And so light is the low-hanging fruit. All people, all humans should be candling down at night. They should be lowering the brightness on their screens. They should be using incandescent bulbs instead of halogen or CFL or LED bulbs. Or if they can use a candlelight, that would be best case scenario. Or a really, really low dim like salt lamp. A Himalayan salt Mm. lamp would be a good choice at night. Something that's more with the color spectrum, more more like a, a fire. If you look at a fire at night, it's orange, it's red. There's maybe a little bit of blue if it's a really hot fire, but it's not like looking at an iPad at 10 p.m. So this is one of the biggest culprits and luckily one of the easiest things to fix. Now, people talk about blue lights and wearing blue blocking glasses. However, your skin still has light receptors. So it's important to cover Mm. your skin as well as your eyes at night. And I've worked with an optrician lab who makes custom blue blocking glasses. And I do give those to my clients to help them because if I don't get them sleeping better, it comes back on me because my protocols, whether we're working on gut issues or other problems, the protocol doesn't work as good if you can't get people sleeping. And so I try to have everyone in bed by 10 p.m., and just get up with the sun. If you can wake up without an alarm, great. If unfortunately you have to use an alarm, I'm sorry, but you know you want to try to live with the sun. Get up with the sun, go to bed within a few hours of sunset. That is the best case scenario. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so you would say that because obviously the show is called Nutrition Heretic. You know, we do talk about food a lot. Um, would you say that that sleep? is where we all should be you know trying to to fix it or is it something that you try to fix at the same time as the food and you know other deficiencies or you know dental amalgams whatever is going on the more stuff you can fix at the same time the better Mm-hmm. When it comes to sleep, absolutely. If you can get someone sleeping better, their gut's going to be better. You know, there's actually a link. You could just search irritable bowel sleep disturbance and you find that people that have sleep issues are more likely to have gut issues. So yeah, if you can try to grab everything at once, that's great. You just have to have a 
a practitioner that's well-versed in how to approach these things because there's a correct order of operations to follow. For example, if you go in, you mentioned mercury amalgams. If you go in to remove silver amalgam fillings, but that person is too weak, they may not be able to handle it. They may end up with more symptoms afterwards. So you've got to make sure they're very strong from a hormonal perspective before you try to start hitting the detox pathways. Whereas some practitioners, they say, go after detox first. If you're too weak, that's not a wise idea. Right, right. Yeah, yes, there's, um, there almost seems to, to me to be more of an emphasis on doing things that could actually weaken people instead of strengthen people. Meaning that, uh, you know, the last decade or so, we've really seen a, a, a dramatic uptick in detoxes without really seeing how prepared a body is to deal with that de- the repercussions of that <laughs> detox. Well, it sounds sexier. I mean, it's like, just do this 21-day detox, do this 30-day detox, do this three-day juice fast detox. It's It sounds sexy. It sounds easy. From the layperson's perspective, it sounds like, yeah, why not just start off with a detox? I'm going to go straight from eating McDonald's straight to doing this detox and this juice fast or whatever. Here's the problem, though. There is no benefit in starving yourself. And so if you've got someone that's been on a terrible diet, now there are there are benefits to fasting. There are benefits to a small, short fast if someone is just destroyed. So let me just put that little note out there first before I say this. But If you go from eating McDonald's to just drinking green juice, yeah, you're probably going to feel better. Or if you just go from eating McDonald's to doing a water fast and you're literally just drinking water for a week, you may feel a little bit better. That may act as somewhat of a reset button. But if you have no nutrition, you have no amino acids, you have no precursors to build your brain chemicals, to build your hormones, to fuel your detoxification pathways, et cetera, that's not the best thing. So in my opinion, it's smarter for people to get a little stronger first. We transition you over to more of a paleo template. You're eating good meats. You're eating good fats, organic vegetables. You're avoiding toxins. You're stabilizing your blood sugar. Once you've got all the organic veggies dialed in, then you can go to an advanced strategy like fasting. But if you just go straight from garbage to eating nothing, that's, I mean, there's no benefit when there's no nutrition coming in. You need nutrients. That is the key. Right. And, and uh, I'm also of the school of thought that uh, when you go into these detoxes without, like you said, good nutrition, um, there are, you know, different elements that are on the periodic table, let's say, <laughs> that are um, that could easily replace some of those nutrients. So uh, fluoride, for example, for example, you know, versus your chloride uh, molecule or chlorine and fluorine, you know, uh, we kind of open ourselves up for sometimes I think uh, some other some other complications that are not necessarily understood uh, because we're not giving the body actually what it wants. But you know, you might be still brushing your teeth with fluoride toothpaste, for example. Very and true. Yeah, I, some people still do do that, and that's not a good idea to. For the sake of brevity, I would just tell people, watch the documentary called Our Daily Dose. It's free. It's all about fluoride. You can learn about it. There's still dentists out there that are promoting fluoride. This makes me the most sick is the water companies that add extra fluoride and they sell it as baby water. I was for just about to say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's my ridiculous. Gosh. But, but, and they actually have, what's, what's really even more disturbing 
you know, very similar to, uh, you know, we could talk about mercury um, in vaccines, but uh, they actually will acknowledge on the toothpaste that you don't give it to a child under two years old and you know and only you can't a- swallow it or right. if you do swallow it contact poison control and right yeah so uh, it's i don't know why it's still controversial the center for disease control has officially disclosed the fact that fluoride is a neurotoxin meaning it does kill brain cells so yes i would get rid of the fluoride in your toothpaste get rid of the aluminum in your deodorants there's far better natural alternatives for pretty much every mainstream product Pretty much all the products I use, you're never going to see a commercial for them. If you see a commercial for it, it's probably not a good product. Like when's the last time you saw a commercial for organic broccoli? Yeah. I've never seen one ever. But when's the last time you saw a commercial for a candy bar? Probably every day. I mean – you're not you're not going to hear this stuff on the mainstream news, which is probably why people are interested in listening to this anyway. Right, right, exactly. And um, I was going to add to to uh, the advertisements uh, coupons. Uh, so you know, a lot of times people are coupon clippers, and you know, I'm, there's definitely a few, let's say, organic brands that you know, do offer coupons that show up in your Whole Foods kind of place or or what have you. Uh, But for the most part, you're not really going to see a lot of of the the more worthwhile products, let's say. Very true. Very true. I mean, I've seen like buy one, get one free gluten, gluten free cookie. It's like mm, still processed junk. So (laughs) you're you're probably not going to get a discount on the organic broccoli. And if you do and you see it 20 cents off, okay, cool. You know, but it's, it's not difficult to it's not difficult to remove the advertising from your life. I mean, I sold my TV in 2008, mm-hmm. 2009. I was a and I got rid of Facebook at the same time. Now I still do have my business page, my yeah. Evan Brand Facebook page because I do share videos and right. lectures and podcasts on there. But in terms of my personal Facebook feed, I got rid of it. I don't have Instagram, which everybody's addicted to. I don't have that on my phone. And I, if I need to upload a photo, I'll just log in on my wife's phone. That way I don't even go down the rabbit hole because I'll just go on social media and you'll just get stuck. And then time passes and you're like, well, what the hell did I just do with that hour? It's gone. Right. So I just have to stay away. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that maybe there's a, a healthier way to deal with it. But I just got rid of it completely just for that purpose. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. You know, I... I was on Facebook before Facebook became you know, like as big as it was and nobody was on there. Nobody could figure it out. And, you know, like I was just, and I gave up. <laughs> I was just like, whatever. And then, you know, it came back maybe three years later and now it was like the biggest thing and, you know, approaching its first, you know, 7 million or whatever users. And, um, yeah, I just, I find myself going in there way more than I probably should. But, uh, you know, I, I use business as an excuse. I find things, you know, I have a small group on there and, you know, people are asking questions. So I kind of keep one leg in, but I really have just been trying to, to stay out of it as much as possible. Yeah, social media, I mean, it's designed by these psychologists and people to pull you in and to create the the FOMO syndrome, what they call, you know, the fear of missing out. And right. so it's it has a benefit in society. However, my grandma, she's like, social media is the worst thing that's ever happened to society, you know, because she talks about how people post all this stuff that nobody in the public should know. You know, there's kind of a, a loss of privacy, I guess, that people mm-hmm. willingly give up in exchange for the likes and the comments, you know. Right. And so 
I don't know. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but would you say that, um, you know, we talk about detox, we talk about uh, getting uh, people well. Are, are you finding that keeping people off of social media is becoming more of a, a, a tool, you know, with, with helping people with their health issues? Because I, I, I can see where people uh, become very anxious, they get angry more, uh, you know, like every, every time something happens and, I, and, and I'm just, you know, so sickened by, you know, whatever, I don't know, America's involvement in Yemen or whatever. And, uh, you know, and I put that angry emoticon, even though I'm not necessarily feeling angry, and I'm thinking to myself, is that really just feeding some negative energy within my body? Is that pulling me down into a place where I don't want my health to go? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good point. Uh, I do believe, like I said, social media, if you're seeking out good news or good things, I, I believe it has a value. But if, you know, some people, they use fear to to fuel themselves. You know, I work with a lot of clients who have chronic fatigue and you look into what they're reading, what they're thinking about, what kind of TV shows are they watching? And it's just all negative stuff. And so, you know, if you put poop in, you're going to get poop out. So, I mean, if I watch something on TV, I don't have a TV, but maybe I'll watch it on YouTube or on, on my phone or computer. You know, it's going to be a nature documentary or it's going to be something about eagles or birds or plants or something. You know, it's not going to be something that's too heavy. You know, I talk with these people and they're like, oh, I have sleep issues. And then you ask them what they're watching and it's some show with killings and murders and guns and machine guns before bed. It's like, OK, no wonder like you're on an adrenaline roller coaster, you know, right. watch something that's that's peaceful. So I think it, it is very important when you talk about detox. You know, I think the better question is, well, what should you detox from that's not just your body? You know, the thoughts that go into your mind. What about the what about the people that you're around? Are they putting negative thoughts into your head? Are these people who are judging your way of eating? Are these people judging your lifestyle? Are these people who don't support you in your hobbies and your ventures? You know, so sometimes you have to do a a personal detox and remove people from your life as well. Right. This, that's, that's incredibly true. And I, you know, just circling back to social media, I think it's, uh, unfortunately, a, a side effect has been that people are opinionated in a much less, uh, supportive way than in the past, you know, a much, a much, much more careless way, maybe is a better way to say it. Well, I um, think it's probably always happened. I think it's just the internet allows people to share things more freely. I'm sure back in the day in the 1980s, you walk down the street and some guy looks at your shoes. He probably thought your shoes were dumb then too, but he just didn't tell you right out. Now we well, can yeah. just hide and say it then. Right. Well, that's what I mean is that people have become more careless. You know, that guy knew to keep his mouth shut <laughs> back yes, in the day. that's right. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, we, we just, uh, went to Japan and my, like the, from the moment I got there, I was like, damn it, Americans could learn so much from this society because what did you see that, that was different? There was just a, a, um, a general sense of civility everywhere. Ah. And, 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 um, you know, now I know that they have high suicide rates and I know there's things that we don't necessarily see as tourists. Like they, they do have right. homeless people, for example, um, which you don't really notice them, uh, when you're at least not, not where I was. Um, but you know, that's not, it's nothing like our homeless issues, uh, that we have here, even in Hawaii. Um, 
but it was yeah there's a there's a general sense of civility uh you know there's a lot they've got like half the u.s population on like three islands or something i mean it's, just, wow. it's like, you know they, they have a lot of a lot of people in a small area and um you know people still stop to say oh are you lost or uh you know somebody dropped something oh i, I left my paypal card in the in the convenience store and a woman chased me down the street to give it to me you know she didn't steal it and you know so there's there's this sense of of um, taking care of one another and not really trying to take advantage of one another. Um, I've heard that. I've heard that from other people. You know, I've talked with quite a lot of clients around the world and I've had, you know, nurses and and other women who've done jobs in Japan and uh, also Thailand, other places. And I've heard like when you come back to the U.S., you're, you're kind of like, whoa, this is we call this culture. This is not culture. Right. Yeah. This is just a bunch of people trying to one up the other person, so to speak. That was kind of the consensus. Now, I love, you know, I, I do love our country, but I when I hear stories like that, it makes me interested. It's like, wow. So there is another way that that people, you know, like people cut you off on the highway. Right. Or right. or if you got to cut somebody off, even if you didn't mean to, you might get flicked off. And it's like, well, this guy's flicking me off. What I what did I even do to this guy? Like this guy actually means F you. That's that's what he means to me right now with that with that finger. You know, so right. uh I've heard that that's not the norm everywhere. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, and again, I live in Hawaii, uh, state of Aloha, right? Uh, I was, I went, uh, after dropping my kids off one morning, I went, had to stop at the the feed store because uh, we have a small farm we're working on here. And I was trying to make the left out of the out of the um, driveway. And there was a woman on my right also making a left. And she was in a big truck. And she just gunned it like the first spot, you know, chance that she saw to, to turn, which I was just like, fine, because I didn't want to get hit by that car that was oncoming. And when I looked up at her, um, you know, because she was passing in front of me, she she turned and looked at me and stuck her tongue out at me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, 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 it was just it was such a it was so disturbing that she really felt that she got something over on me. Like, right, ha ha, right. I got there in front of you. And I was just thinking like, boy, I would never pull out right in front of, you know, five oncoming cars like that. It was, that's what I was thinking. Um, right. but it was just, it was so infantile. And, um, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that Japan's perfect, but I never got the impression that that kind of thing could happen there. Right. That's that's super cool. Well, that's good feedback for me because I've always been curious and I have to put that on my travel list. Yeah, I'm actually planning on doing a, a retreat there uh, next year ah. because I uncovered kind of the hidden Japan that uh, even my, even my tour guide said, Adrian, I go I take people on tours all the time. And this was the most educational tour. I've been Sweet. On. Very so, cool. Um, I'm thinking to, uh, you know, bring people to meet some healers and, and do some really off the beaten track uh, uh, things because they really, they really have a lot to offer. Um, and even right now we're looking at buying a, a truck for the farm. And I'm thinking to myself, I said to, to the guy at the dealer, I'm like, yeah, do you sell those like tonneau covers to put on the back of the truck? And he's like, yeah, we have those. And then I thought to myself, you know, if I lived in Japan, I wouldn't even need it because nobody would ever think to go in the back of somebody else's truck right. and steal, yep. you know, I their know. cooler or whatever. Now i got to spend $1,000 <laughs> to, to, you know, um, 
secure, you know, a toolbox and, you know, whatever other things I might be doing on my, you know, feed for the animals or, or what have you. Well, it sounds like you've already convinced yourself of where you need to move to next. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's just, just keep, keep moving east. Yeah. Uh, I always thought it would be Europe, but, uh, but Japan is, is a super cool place. So. That's great. In any case, um, I digress. Uh, so talk to me about the people who come to see you. Like when, you know, someone is, you know, are you like kind of their last resort where they just said, I'm giving up on, on basically. Yeah. It's basically people who suffered long enough to reach out. You know, it's usually never people who are like, Hey, yeah, I've got this symptom. I want to fix it now before it gets worse. No, usually it's the people who've like been to 20 doctors and they've got no idea what's wrong with them. The doctors can't figure it out. They've been to five or 10 of them. They've spent all this money. They've got no answers. They're frustrated. And then they come to me and they're like, Hey, can you fix me in a month? And it's like, okay, uh, well maybe, but let's figure out what the heck's going on. So my job is to come in and do a good thorough investigation and do types of testing that, frankly, no conventional doctors are doing. If they are a conventional doctor and they're doing it, then they're, they're just a rarity. But when we're talking about organic acids testing, which is something that we measure in the urine, whether we're talking about comprehensive stool testing where we're looking into infections in the gut – you know, these are things that practitioners just don't do and don't know about. And the testing that does exist in the gastroenterology field, for example, let's say we're talking GI problems, diarrhea, constipation, gut pains, et cetera. These are, these are outdated tests that most people are getting run. They're 20 to 30 years outdated. We're now using DNA technology in the stool, which is far more accurate. In fact, it's a thousand times more sensitive, meaning that if there's an infection there, we're likely going to find it. And I've tested over 2,000 people, and the vast majority have bugs. We're talking H. pylori, which is a bacterial infection, parasites, bacterial overgrowth, candida, which is a yeast overgrowth, it's rare if I see someone now, people may say, oh, he's biased. You know, people come to him with problems, <laughs> but they're trying a lot harder. These people are trying a lot harder than the conventional American too. And their diet is way yes. better and their sleep is way better. You know, they've already done the low hanging fruit before they get to me and they still have all these problems. So yeah. I would argue that, that even the average person who doesn't have a clue and is not taking good care of themselves, they probably look just as bad, if not worse on a piece of paper. Right. So, um, so this is all testing that, that you give people that they can do at home, correct? Most of it, Most everything of it. except for blood. Right. So I do run quite a lot of blood work on people, and that's something that we just create a requisition form, and we can send them to their local laboratory to get the blood draw. They are just able to skip the doctor with my help because of the requisition forms that we're able to create. So instead of begging your doctor to run a blood test on you and the doctor's like, well, I don't know why you want to run that test. You know, people get shut down a lot. You know, yeah. they may hear a podcast and hear, oh, it's very important for you to run thyroid antibodies to see if you have autoimmune disease of the thyroid. And you ask your doctor or the endocrinologist and like, no, you don't need to do that. And then they just get blown off. So me, if you ask me to run something, I'm going to run it. Right. And then and then a lot of times I have my own agenda, what I would like to run. But yeah, stool, urine, saliva, that's all able to be done at home. Blood is something you you have to get sent out to do. 
Right. Well, you know, one of the the testimonials I found on your website I thought was extremely telling because uh, this person, I believe it was for their child, had run like $5,000 worth of tests with a conventional doctor. And then you were like, hey, just do this and that. And <laughs> just do these two tests. And you, you know, had a solid plan for them. And they were just, uh, they were actually, I believe after the $5,000 of testing, the doctors did what they had done to me when I had chronic fatigue, which is go see a psychiatrist. That's right. Yeah, it's very common and unfortunate. You know, it's not a deficiency of pharmaceutical drugs that these issues occur. So, yeah, I remember the guy you were talking about. I've got a lot of of good stories that people can read. I think I've got like 138 and counting or something, five-star reviews on my my scheduling page. It's called GenBook. That's the the tool that we use for scheduling. So people can go and read all the stories that, that my clients have written about me, which is which is fun. It's, you know, really a, a true blessing. But I remember that guy and his son, uh, he, he had tons of parasites. He had tons of bacterial overgrowth going on. And he had just been told that he had IBS, you know, irritable bowel, which is the same diagnosis I had, which really means something's wrong with your gut. We don't know what it is. We don't know how to fix it. Right. But, but that's what's wrong with you. And so obviously what they do in most cases is they give you antispasmatic drugs mm-hmm. to try to help reduce the spasms of right. the colon. But that's not addressing the true cause, which is the bacteria or the other bugs in the gut that caused the spastic colon in the first place. Right. Yeah, because uh, medicine thinks that these things are, are random, basically. Conventional medicine looks at these uh, these spasms, for example, as, as uh, being somewhat random. And it's just, uh, you know, your body's built very de- defective. And, uh, you know, homeostasis, you know, that's a nice theory, but... Uh, <laughs> Exactly. It doesn't doesn't always apply somehow, right? Yeah, and I suffered with gut issues for a decade, so I know how frustrating it is to be told that everything's fine or everything's in your head, and it's clearly not fine. So, you know, that's my whole philosophy is test, don't guess, because you could go on a podcast and listen to all these different people talking, and somebody says, this is the best supplement. Somebody says, that's the best supplement. And then you buy all this stuff, and you're like, okay, what is this for? What am I taking it for? You try it. You don't really know what you're doing, but you do it anyway. And then you build up what I call a supplement graveyard, you don't really know what the heck you're doing, and then you spend more money. So if you get a good workup with somebody, that's to me the most important step if you're truly trying to get to the bottom of a health issue and not just chase symptoms. For example, I mean, I'm okay with naturopaths. I have friends that are naturopathic doctors, but generally speaking, unless they've gone out into the functional medicine space like I have – they're more of a symptom supplement type person rather yes. than root cause. So, you know, an example to quickly compare conventional to naturopathic to functional, conventional is you have headaches, just take an ibuprofen. Naturopathic is don't take ibuprofen. That can cause intestinal bleeding and ibuprofen kills 19,000 people per year by regular usage. Instead of ibuprofen, I want you to go ahead and take, let's say, uh, Boswellia or curcumin or mm-hmm. fish oil or some natural anti-inflammatory medic, you know, like a supplement right. instead of a medication. And then the functional comes in and says, okay, well, why is the headache there in the first place? Wouldn't we rather figure that out? So why don't we test you for chemicals? We know that xylene causes headaches. Xylene is a chemical that's found very commonly in nail polish. Mm -hmm. And so when we see that women who do their nails have headaches, we just tell them to stop doing their nails. The levels of xylene go down. We give them some extra liver support nutrients, and the headaches become a thing of the past. 
that's like the difference between a naturopath versus functional versus conventional. I'm glad that you that you made that distinction because I think a lot of times people uh, assume that a natu- naturopath is going to do something like what you do. Um, and this is I'm glad you also brought it up because it brings me to my last question before I let you go because I know you have to go. Which is, and it's a, a little bit of a loaded question. Uh, do you find that there's a lot of naturopaths um, uh, and conventional doctors? trying to get in on the functional medicine game without not, I shouldn't call it a game, but you know what I'm saying, uh, without fully understanding and appreciating what functional medicine is. Well, yeah, the answer is absolutely. And it's because they know that their paradigm is going to have to shift. And this is kind of the way things are going. And so the problem is the people are always going to find out the truth. And so I work with these clients every single day, you know, 10, 12, 15, however many clients I handle per day. And many of them have already been to the naturopath. And and I say, well, how did you get to me? And they say, well, first I went to this naturopath or I went to this medical doctor who said they were integrative or who said they were functional. But then turns out when I get to them, I actually, by the way, I just had a woman in New York City earlier. Actually, she was in Brooklyn and we got her results back and we looked at her testing And I said, well, how did you get here? And her answer was, well, I went to a naturopath who said they were functional. And then before that, I went to a medical doctor who said they were integrative. And so, you know, people will kind of throw around these terms. But when you get into the nitty gritty, the protocol is antibiotics to treat her parasite infections. And that is not there's nothing natural about antibiotics. And so this is a very, very common case. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't care what people call themselves the people are going to find out what are you doing? Is it really truly functional? Are you really getting to the root cause? Are you just providing band-aids? And, and you know, band-aids are okay sometimes. Right. As a stepping stone, perhaps, backwards. you know, to let's just say, get you to sleep for now until we can get the next thing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I may come in and give someone a supplement to get them through the hard time they're getting through while I'm waiting on testing or while I'm working backwards towards this or that. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, uh, what should people look for when to, to ensure, you know, I mean, obviously they can go to evanbrand.com and, and talk with you. Uh, you do a 15 minute free consultation. So my staff does that. I've okay. got a girl named Megan who I've trained for the last several years, and she's also got the same uh, certifications in functional medicine and nutritional therapy as me. So that's just for people who are like, hey, I've got an issue. I want to talk to somebody about this, figure out if this is normal. Is this not normal? Is this something somebody can help me with? Mm-hmm. Then that's what that's for. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's other people out there like me. I just tell people I don't have all the answers, but I figured out enough stuff to help a lot of people. And right. I, I share all that on my podcast. So I've got 300 almost episodes. I've been on the air for six years. And so that's kind of a long time nice. in the health space for the podcast world. So definitely. If, so if people want to listen, just go listen. You know, I encourage you, make sure you take care of all the low hanging fruit first, because I hate to spend an hour telling somebody why they need to avoid gluten. Right. You know, if you've already listened to my content, I, I can save my breath and we can cut straight to the high, you know, the high hanging fruit. Right, right. Yeah, t- for sure. And um, it's good to know. So is there is there a particular um, credential people should look for if they're, you know, if they're for, for whatever reason can't get in to see you? Um, uh, and yeah, they, there's, there's you know, a so lot they're not, of different. Basically, uh, so they're not going to a naturopath who's pretending to know functional medicine because they attended one workshop. 
Well, like I said, yeah, in a naturopath may be the best, they may be the best person if, if they've kind of gone out of that naturopathic model. Like I said, conventionally though, the naturopathic model is more of kind of like a supplement after, you know, chasing after a symptom with a supplement versus figuring out why is the symptom there in the first place. Now, some naturopaths and some of those are my friends, they break that rule. They go to the functional side. But so maybe the question you ask the person is just, well, what are some of your potential remedies? Like if Mm. I have gut issues, are they going to tell you that they're going to give you antibiotics or are they going to say we can do everything with herbs? And if you say, do you all work with the root causes of gut issues? You know, you, you just try to ask questions, right. I guess. And then, you know, I, my opinion is just to try to study that person. What what does their content say? Right. If their content, let's say they wrote an article about headaches and their, their article is just a bunch of supplements for headaches and they don't give you reasons why maybe that's not the right person. But if the person says, hey, headaches could be caused from this or this or that, maybe that person knows how to think a step deeper, a layer deeper. And you generally need the layer deeper of investigation. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and I always remind people that uh, when they are you know, booking a session with a physician or other practitioner, you're, you know, you're not just... Uh, begging them to take your money, you know, you're you should be interviewing them. They're doing a job for you, so <laughs> we need to um, start treating, you know, asking for resumes and and you know, looking for those testimonials like you have on your website and and uh, really uh, interviewing them. Yeah, it, it's more of a partnership, you know. Right. That's kind of the goal of it. Is it's it's kind of a team effort, right? You know, but I think sometimes kind of we get a little too one-sided and, where we think like, "Oh, are you going to help me?" But without thinking like, "Hey, you know, this person you still got to do the work, do a job." So let me look into the, to their background. That too. Well, and you've got to do the work too. I mean, you can oh, have yeah. a practitioner design a perfect protocol, but if you don't do it, you're not going to get the results. So for sure. You can't uh, you can't play on the sidelines, as they say. All right. Well, Evan, thank you so much for for your time. I know that you've got to go, and I think I actually went two minutes over here. It's evanbrand.com. That's e v a n b r a n d dot com. And uh, like you said, you also have um, the Evan Brand Show, which is your podcast. And you're on. I didn't get your your Facebook handle. Is that just Evan Brand? It's, uh, I think that one was taken. So it's oh. MR, like Mr. MR, Evan Brand. Okay. If you just Google me, though, and go to my site, all the different social media links are there. Like I said, the podcast, I mean, cool. If you want to, like, stalk me on Instagram, sure. But the best <laughs> place is, the best place is to keep up with the podcast because that's where I'm interviewing other practitioners and we're discussing case studies and all that. So if you want to get the best bang of your buck for following me, that would be the place to do it. It's the podcast. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Evan. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean. And our operations manager is Michelle Med. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at the new and improved NutritionHeretic.com, where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at NutritionHeretic.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is Facebook.com slash NutritionHeretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. 
Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh,